0: In today's episode, we're going to hear from someone who was gem hunting and was held captive by a giant reptilian creature. Then we're off to Michigan where a researcher encounters a very large wolf species. Then down to the Everglades when a couple sees something very out of the ordinary. But before we get into the stories, check out DreadsArmy.com for the latest in strange and weird news. Dear Donovan, I never thought I'd be saying this. But I'm now a believer in the supernatural. I was always a skeptic, but I recently saw something that definitely wasn't far from the natural world. I'm a rock hound. I dig for crystals like amethyst and smoky quartz in my free time. I've made a few really cool finds, like a 15-inch long green barrel piece that I sold for $200, and a few small clusters of ruby, which I've kept from my collection. I live near the White Mountains of New Hampshire and I'd been working on the mountainside littered with feldspar that seemed promising. A storm had uprooted some trees in the area, and I found signs of quartz when I dug into one of the pits left behind the root ball. If you see quartz mixing with feldspar anywhere, it's a pretty good indicator that there might be amethysts close by. And when a tree uproots, you've got a lot of the hard work done already. Not as much to dig. I had dug a pretty good-sized pit over the course of three weeks, Just on my days off, and now it was between six and seven feet deep, with the sides shored up. Once it got to be near the five foot mark, I'd brought a small stepladder with me to leave at the site. Using the stepladder at the bottom of the hole, combined with my usual rope looped around a nearby tree, I could navigate in and out without any trouble. On this particular day, I was going at it, making real progress. I got pretty excited when I found a large chunk of smoky quartz with amethyst tips. I was tempted to stop and wash it off, but I was in a groove, so I just kept on digging. Besides, I knew I was going to have to stop in about an hour to dump the buckets of dirt that I had almost filled up. I usually don't tell people where I'm digging, because I don't want to do all this work and then have someone come in the minute I leave and find the prize, taking advantage of my setup. That's happened to me before, and it really sucked. But this time, I told my friend Jeff, because he's just starting with gem hunting, and I trust him. I gave Jeff pretty good directions, being that you have to park about a half a mile away on a logging road. So when I heard someone walking nearby, you know, twigs snapping and stuff, I was pretty sure it was Jeff. This place is pretty remote. I had been camping out in a nearby clearing most of my weekends, and I never saw anyone else. I just kept working, knowing Jeff would see my backpack and the red flags on posts marking the pit which I did as a precaution against someone, or me, stumbling in and breaking a leg. The footsteps came near, stopping pretty close by, so I quit digging and looked up, saying, Hey man, is that you? Fully expecting to see Jeff's face peering down at me. No response in nothing but sky. Then a hail of small rocks, like little pebbles, came sailing in. A few bounced off my shoulder and back, and they didn't hurt, but still, I was like, what the hell? Not funny, dude, I said totally annoyed. I turned around and put one foot on the stepladder, intending to come up and educate him on what you don't do when someone's in the pit. I had just started to rise up, still on that bottom rung, when a shower of dirt came raining down on me right in my face. I yelled, what the hell? Because the dirt had gotten my eyes. Now I was really pissed. I bent my head trying to shake the dirt off me. Wiping my face and blinking my eyes, when the light changed above me, I squinted to look up. There was this thing looking down at me. It was as big as a man, but it wasn't human. The head looked like an iguana, except it had a flat face without a snout, just slits for a nose. Definitely reptile looking, green and scaly, and it was staring right at me. I swear it was as big as me if not bigger. Even with my eyes streaming tears from all the crap in them, I could see shoulders and a neck, like this thing was bent over, but standing on two feet, not lying on its belly. It had these huge gold eyes with black slits for pupils, kind of like a snake. I was so shocked I fell right on my butt, right at the bottom of the pit, whacking my shoulder on one of the buckets. Lying there, I felt absolutely terrified and trapped, like a bug under glass. This thing was looking at me like I was a meal. You can't imagine what that felt like, to have nowhere to run, just stuck there in that hole. It moved away, disappearing, and I got my wits about me. I immediately got into a crouch and grabbed my shovel, holding it like a weapon. I didn't know what I was going to do, but the one thing I knew, I wasn't going without a fight. I waited, still trying to process what I'd seen. In a minute later, I hear this sound like something being dragged across the dirt close by. I was tempted to try to climb out of the pit really quick and make a run for it. But I'm ashamed to say I was too scared. I was just like that cliche you hear, paralyzed with fear. All of a sudden, the tips of the branches come into view moving over the top of that hole. Pine boughs with half-dead needles on them that the whatever-it-was must have dragged over. The branches started slowly blocking out the light. That thing seemed to be laying on the branches over the top of the pit, causing a little shower of dirt and debris to come falling in on me. It might sound weird, but when this happened, it gave me hope. I started thinking I might get out of this after all. My worst fear was getting buried alive. My second worst fear was getting eaten right there on the spot. So what it was doing now, yeah, it gave me some hope. I think it might have been covering me up to save me for later. I really don't know. So I just waited, getting pretty claustrophobic as the light was about 80% blocked out now. I just stayed quiet and listened. After a while, I thought I heard it leave, some twigs snapping in the forest nearby. I knew I wouldn't have any trouble pushing the limbs out of the way, and I still had my stepladder and rope. I wasn't trapped, but I was still afraid. What if it was out there? Could I defend myself with just a shovel? I hadn't seen its whole body, but it looked as big as me. I just decided to wait a few minutes longer. I just sat there replaying my favorite songs in my head, trying to calm myself down. Maybe five minutes later, I hear some movement nearby, and my stomach clenched up again, thinking I'd waited too long and now this thing was going to eat me after all. I gripped my shovel and waited, watching the branches overhead. Then I heard my name called. It was Jeff, thank God. I shouted back I was in the pit covered with branches, near the red flags. I yelled, don't fall in, because that's the last thing we needed, right? A minute later, Jeff was pulling the branches out of the way and looking down at me completely confused. How in the world did you do that, he asked. He helped me out and I went right over to my backpack and got a drink of my water. My hands were shaking. I told him there was something in the woods there, and we needed to leave right away, and that I'd tell him about it after we got into our vehicles. I was not going to stand there and have this thing come back while we were talking. Then I just turned and left, and he followed me, asking questions the whole way. But I waited till I saw my truck before I said much. I was so freaking relieved to get in my vehicle. I think adrenaline had kept me going that whole time. And once I got somewhere safe, all the energy just went right out of me. I told Jeff what happened, and while he didn't think I was making it up, he didn't believe it was a monster. He thought my vision got messed up from the dirt, and that it was really some wise-ass person tried to cover the pit with branches messing around with me. He even suggested it was a human wearing a mask. But who would be out in the middle of nowhere wearing a mask? I know what I saw, and I'm never going back there again, not even to collect my gear. I count myself lucky to be alive. In July of 2017, I was working in Wexford County, Michigan, as a biologist conducting a study of Michigan native wolf packs to get an accurate idea of their pack sizes and territories around the area. I was living in a trailer near the edge of the woods where I could easily access any of the areas within my study if needed. Inside my trailer, I had a CB scanner to listen in on, hopeful it would give me some guidance on any wolf sightings in the area. The night I saw the creature, I was just finishing heating up a bowl of macaroni and cheese in the microwave, when the scanner called out that someone was hearing wolves howl about a mile east of where I was parked. I decided to forego my dinner and headed out that way. One of my usual wolves that I had been tracking had been missing for a couple of days. I was hopeful it would be her. I loaded up my gear and headed towards the address where the report was called in from. When I got there, there were several people standing outside in the yard, staring into the dark field behind the home. I asked if that was where the wolf was heard coming from, and several nodded, but nobody really spoke. They all looked somewhat in shock, as if they had just witnessed something terrible or otherworldly. I asked the one guy that was standing towards the edge of the crowd if he had seen the wolf and if it was okay. He turned and looked at me with a puzzled look on his face and told me simply that he didn't know what he saw, but that it wasn't any normal wolf. As he said it, the thing howled from the back in the field. It sounded like a typical wolf howl, but it had a higher-pitched screech to it almost reminiscent of what you'd expect to hear in old stories about banshees and witches. It echoed over the whole area with this eerie silence that followed. Not even the crickets or frogs were making sounds. The guy standing near me suddenly pulled his phone out of his pocket. It was lit up with a text message from somebody. They're over there, he said. They're going to turn on the spotlights. When he said it, two men rushed to their pickups and started adjusting these spotlights. All at once, spotlights lit up the adjacent end of the field, as well as our end, and there in the middle of the field stood something I can only describe as being almost werewolf-like. It was hard to tell from where we stood exactly how tall this thing might be, but it looked big. It had a muscular upper body balanced on two short legs, and it was covered in dark fur. There was a long, toothy snout and its eyes reflected back the light of the spotlights as it looked around, taking in all of its surroundings. It let out another massive screeching howl, sending many people running to hide in their cars, before it took off in a dead run straight for the crowd I was standing in. There were more people standing across the field than there were standing on our side. I guess it opted for the path of least resistance. As it ran for us, we all moved in a hurry to get out of its path. Nobody wanted to wind up being a meal for a hungry wolf man or werewolf, or whatever it might be. I jumped back in my truck, and an older man jumped in along with me on the passenger side. I guess it was just the luck of the draw that I happened to be parked right in the pathway of where this thing wanted to run. He ran straight towards the truck, leaping onto the hood and then scurrying across the roof Of the truck and over the bed before disappearing into the darkness behind me. We waited for a few minutes to be sure that we were safe. Then me and the old man and a few others came back out of our vehicles to survey the damage. To this day I'm still driving that truck around with dents and scratches on the hood. The most bizarre part of it all though was the odor. A thick doggy odor hung in the air around us for at least a good hour as we stood around trying to make sense of what we had seen. That creature was long gone, but its scent hung in the air as if someone was burning a candle. A few weeks later, I was out at night trying to get a good count on some wolf pups that were on their first hunt when I smelled that odor again. Needless to say, I abandoned my hunt for the pups and made my way back to the truck and headed for camp. I wasn't going to risk coming face to face with that thing again. I don't work with wolves anymore. Instead, I accepted a new assignment, keeping track of slugs and snails in the creek beds of Illinois. It's quiet work, but at least I'm a lot safer. Hi Donovan, I recently found your channel and was immediately hooked, because I have a similar story as to what you narrate on your channel. I've been waiting for a chance to tell this story, so here it is. This happened to my spouse and I, who was my fiancé at the time, but we are now happily married and have four children. We still talk about what happened to us on that dark, desolate Florida highway. It's something we just won't ever forget, and there's no explanation other than something supernatural. I was always open to the possibility that we are not alone, but now I'm 100% convinced. We live in South Florida near the bustling city of Miami. My parents lived on Florida's west coast, near Naples, when this happened. And the only way to get there years ago was to take the two-hour stretch of drive through the rural, desolate, and mostly dark highway through the Everglades called Alligator Alley. They call it that because of the number of alligators constantly getting out into the road and almost actually causing car accidents. This encounter happened many years ago, when it was a one-lane highway each way, and there were no cell phones, no pay phones, no towers, and the only light poles were miles apart. In fact, the only light at night was that of your car headlights. Trust me, it was not the place to break down. You'd wait for hours for another car to come by if you needed any help. We loved the drive because we both worked full-time, and I was in college and my fiancé was in medical school. Because of our hectic work and school schedules, we cherished the long drive ahead of us after work. We could talk and catch up and just listen to songs on the radio if we could manage to get a station. Most of the time, though, it was just static. On this night, we had gotten a late start to my parents. And it was already dark outside, but we didn't mind. We loved the drive. Well, I should say we loved it until about 30 minutes into the drive. Way, way out of the city, and now in the middle of nowhere, Everglades, I looked out of my window on the passenger side and saw a very strange set of lights. They were in the air in the middle of the marshy Everglades, above some mangroves about 30 feet away. Keep in mind, the only way to travel those swamps was by an airboat, as there are absolutely no roads other than the rickety one we were on. Surrounding the road is brackish, marshy swamp water filled with dangerous predators, hence the name Alligator Alley. So basically, it was a two-lane desolate road surrounded by thousands upon thousands of acres of swampy Everglades on either side, and absolutely nothing else. The lights appeared up in the air outside my passenger window, seemingly out of nowhere, as if they just flipped on. It was a row of five lights in a perfect V-shape that I saw first, and then I saw the rest, a massive dark shape just hovering. The car window's reflection made it hard to see, so I was dumb enough to roll down the window and got a perfect look at it. This huge craft literally just floating in the air. It had enough lights on itself to illuminate its silhouette. It was massive. It was a large, weird, diamond-shaped craft hovering in the night sky. I was immediately petrified and said to my fiancé, what is that? I rolled my window back up so fast and I said, that's not a plane and that's not a car, and that's not an airboat because it's up in the air, and it's following us. Had it been an airboat, they'd have to twist and turn because of the tall mangroves. It was now going in the same direction we were going, in a perfectly straight line, and keeping up with our speed, mile per mile, parallel to us. I blurted out that maybe it was a reflection of the car's headlights on the road, which somehow bounced off the water and somehow illuminated the sky. I knew it sounded absolutely ridiculous, and I could tell my fiancé was trying not to say, are you serious? But I was absolutely desperate for it to be something, anything other than what it was, and hoped just to explain it away. I'm horrified to say this next part, but my fiancé was driving a Porsche 911 at the time, and said, we're getting out of here, and then floored it. We topped 120 miles in just a few seconds, and it kept up. We knew it wasn't an airboat, because they don't fly up in the air, and no plane or helicopter that does fly has lights like that. Airboats also don't go over 50 miles per hour. So what was this thing? My fiancé slowed back down, and it did too. Then we sped up, and it did too. At one point, we braked hard and came to a dead stop, and it did too, on a dime in the air. We did this cat and mouse for a few more times, each with the same result. So we sat in the middle of the highway lanes idling waiting for a few minutes to see its next move, and it felt more like ours. And the scariest part of all, it slowly moved right above us and we both got a crystal clear look at the craft. It was definitely an oddly shaped diamond with a pointed V front, with a row of lights and a series of sets of lights under the belly of the craft. We didn't have cell phones back then, and my camera and bag were in the trunk, but what I would have given to get a photo of this. It was massive. Rows of perfectly set lights lined from front and under the belly. It was dark in color, but since it was so pitch black outside, my best guess is that it was like a dark gunmetal gray, or dark gray or black but it was almost graceful in the way it moved to hover above us. We now knew what we were seeing. This was a UFO. We sat there frozen, watching and holding hands and pondering what to do next. So we got out of there as fast as we can. I think we hit close to 140 miles per hour. And it was right there, back on the passenger side, still gliding parallel over the marshy Everglades. I was absolutely hysterical at this point having seen close encounters of the third kind as a kid, and nearing a panic attack, and at the same time twisting around to look out each window to see where it was. My fiancé stayed cool, telling me to keep us posted on what it was doing. I could barely see I was so hysterical, but I tell you one thing. At 100 miles per hour, I was silently praying to see a cop, some red and blue lights glowing behind us, and would have almost wished to get pulled over, instead of this moment that we were in. But then, just like that, it turned and went away, seemingly back into the direction where it first appeared, back over the marsh and swamps and the mangroves further into the Everglades. We could see the lights getting further and further away. My fiancé pulled over and parked. It was definitely leaving, and we watched it eventually disappear completely into the distance. We stayed by the side of the road for a few minutes, until we both calmed down, Without saying a word, we started back down the road and drove the rest of the way to my parents talking about what we encountered. I think we both needed to seriously process what the heck we had just seen and experienced. To this day, we know what we saw. There's no doubt. Neither of us are crazy, and there's just absolutely no explaining it away. But what we don't know is exactly what it wanted, or why it chose to show itself, to follow us, to track us, and to keep up with us at those speeds. But maybe it was just curious. Whatever this craft was, this UFO, it clearly was just checking things out, because it did choose to leave us alone in the end. We weren't beamed up, and we never saw any creatures operating it. We just saw the outer shape of it. It played a game of cat and mouse in the pitch black of the rural Everglades of Florida. And maybe for whatever reason, it just wanted to know what we were, just as we tried to figure out what it was. Having said that, I would never recommend those speeds under any circumstances, and we now have cell phones and the road assistance and other means of safety. I'm also happy to report that the road is now an interstate, with a lot more traffic. Better roads and more lanes, added lights and safety precautions. We even have plenty of police. You've probably even seen this road in popular TV shows, like Dexter and CSI Miami just without the UFOs. And in case anyone is wondering, and in case if anyone is wondering, we did take the drive a few more times to visit my parents, including when our children were born. But the trip was never the same after that. We only drove in the daytime, with all eyes watching the road, the sky, the Everglades, and all the alligators lying about. My parents eventually sold their condo in Naples and moved back to Miami. Thank goodness for that. Anyways, thanks for listening to our story. Stay safe and take care. Also, make sure to check out DreadsArmy.com where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on Dreads Army. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.